That's just the song to start a sermon to, isn't it? It's like, there's, man, if you can't preach after a song like that, you just get out the business. Hey, it's, again, great to be with you. A lot of cool things happening around the church. Hopefully you're catching wind of a little of those things. John, I was bummed the, the projector came back on. It was proof that we needed new projectors. If we don't get the money, we're just going to magnify the problems around here. All right, so, so one Sunday it will rain on your heads uh, if we can't fix the roof. And anyway... Hey, if you were joining us for the first time or if you were out gallivanting across California last week, then you missed uh, the start of our new summer sermon series entitled, not sure if you've heard about this or can can guess, uh, Desire. We're looking at this summer, the seven core longings of the human heart, the way that you have been hardwired and the things that you naturally and and, uh, automatically gravitate And I'm excited this morning uh, to dive into the first of those seven desires. Let me see if I can't catch us all up just to make sure that we're on the same page uh, before we kind of dive headfirst into this material. Last week we talked about it and said it this way. That the human heart, your heart, is a ceaseless factory of desires. See, all of us at one level or another, we crave and we hunger for things. Things like love, intimacy, power, beauty. And everything we do, from the good to the bad to the ugly to the stuff we don't share, all of that, I think, can be traced back to one of those seven core longings, to one of those seven core desires. You are literally driven by these desires. And yet most non-Christians assume that God has nothing good to say about these desires. And most Christians assume that to be good, God doesn't want you to have anything to do with these desires. For one reason or another, a lot of Christians begin to think and feel the same way that I thought when I first started following Jesus, and that is that there is no place in my pursuit of God for my deepest desires. And in fact, I will please God to the degree that I deny myself those desires. As a Christian, I'm supposed to desire things like prayer and Bible studies and harp-infused worship music. Nothing against the harp, but I'm supposed to have these really pure, holy, godly desires. Nothing like I once had. I have to stop desiring all that I once did. But here's the thing. You just can't pull that off. You just can't do that. You can't repent of those desires and you shouldn't actually try to turn away from those desires because those desires are given to you from God and they're designed to draw you actually closer to God. See, these desires, I think, give us a glimpse into what it means to be created in the image of an amazing God. These desires are God's fingerprints on you. It's how you've literally been hardwired and designed. He designed you with desires. He created you with cravings. And he doesn't want you to turn away from them now. He actually wants you to turn to him to satisfy them. So the problem lies not in the depth of our desires, but in the, in the destructive ways that we go about seeking satisfaction to them. Right, it should come as no surprise to us that a beautiful God would make beautiful creatures that want to be beautiful. It should come as no surprise to us that a loving God would make lovely beings that want to experience the depths of love. It should come as no surprise to us that a powerful God would make powerful creatures that want to be powerful. We're like him. We look like him. But like Eve in the garden, we tend to believe or trust or consume or try or buy everything other than God to find fulfillment. And yet at the end of the experience, 
at the end of the night, at the end of the month, at the end of the high, you feel the same way, don't you? At the end of the warranty, you typically feel just as empty and unfulfilled as you did before you even started. And that's because the scripture says in Psalm 145, Isaiah 55, Psalm 37, 4, it's then the Lord where you will find satisfaction to these desires. It's out of his hands where you will find pleasures forevermore. The amazing thing about our God is that he doesn't want us just to be saved by him. He wants us to be satisfied in him. It's not a matter of just declaring that we believe in Jesus so one day we'll be saved from hell if it really even exists. It's another thing to say, I delight in God this side of the grave because I want to experience life now and forevermore. Does that make any sense? It's not just about declaring, it's about delighting. It's not just about being saved, it's about being satisfied. And some things we believe in, some things we don't believe in. But this I want you to believe in with all of your heart. Any form of satisfaction, whether, uh, although good, right? Some things in this life, I don't want you to ever hear me say that I'm, I'm bad-mouthing everything in our culture and saying, oh, nothing you have on this side of, the, uh, of, of heaven will be good for you. You just turn away from all of it. No, I'm not saying that. But everything on this side of heaven will either be fake or fickle or fleeting. And so we have to find something that will truly satisfy us forever. And there are things that the Lord has given us on this side of the grave to give us some temporary satisfaction, to give us a glimpse into what is to come. I believe that with all my heart. There are things that are good and that taste good and that will bring us delight, but not forevermore, not eternally, not for all of time. And so we need to look to the Lord to do that. So that was last week. That was the start. Let's jump into the first of the seven desires. Back by popular demand, I have some more drawings for you. You were so excited about those last week, I know. So here I am again, Thomas Fitzpatrick. This is before I became a Christian. You remember this good-looking guy, right? This was before he lost all his hair. See, in the stick figure world, you can draw yourself whoever you want. But this guy right here, he's a good guy. He met Jesus. Here he is meeting Jesus, and things are going well, right? His life is good, and he's got nothing to complain about. It's really first world problems for the most part. But in all honesty, this guy right here, he's kind of bored. I mean, all he can think about when he's sitting there in his office are ways to spruce things up a little bit, bring some more excitement into his life. So he goes snowboarding, or he, or he jumps out of a plane, he goes skydiving. Maybe he rides X2 out at Six Flags as many times as he can stomach. He drives cars faster than the authorities say that he should. He takes things apart and he tries to put them back together. He travels and goes to faraway places to experience new cultures. He goes to IMAX 3D movies to see dinosaurs bite your head off. Right? He, he, he wants to be fascinated. He wants to be amazed. He wants to be excited. He wants to be blown away by something or someone. And I don't think I'm alone in this desire, right? From the little toddler who constantly complains, I'm bored, to the billionaire who's trying to, for a, a small fee, take you to the moon. All of us want to be thrilled in one way or another, right? All of us want to be excited and amazed and enthralled. We're going to symbolize it today by this huge box right here. J.J. Abrams, if you know him, he's a director of a lot of sci-fi movies and TV shows, including my favorite, Lost. He says when he was a little boy, his grandfather bought him a little black box, a little black magic box with a big question mark on it. And he says it was actually more fun to sit there and wonder what was inside of the box than to ever actually open the box and be disappointed. 
So even today, as an older man, he's got a little black box that he keeps on his desk as inspiration to create fascinating things. Because it's all about what's in the box. What, what, what could possibly be in here? What is this like? And, and what is there for me to enjoy and experience? What could possibly happen? Can you relate to this desire? Am I speaking nonsense or do, you, or do you resonate with this a little bit? Do you want to be amazed? Do you want to be excited? Do you want to be enthralled? Do you ever want to be fascinated? Oh, I know that I do. I think that everybody does it. That's why we hold up and idolize athletes because they do things on the court or on the field that we could never do and they amaze us. That's why we flock to the movies and drop 40 bucks on a handful of popcorn because we want Hollywood to blow us away. We want to see California fall off the face of the earth because of the San Andreas fault. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed your time. It's no longer there. Right? We want to do these. We, we're crazed consumers. Why? Because there's something, something so fascinating about a faster car, a faster computer, a larger TV, a bigger house that intrigues us, that excites us, and so we buy it. That's why we're adrenaline junkies. So we climb 14ers and we jump out of planes and we strap two pieces of metal to our feet and we go down an icy slope. Why? Because we want to be amazed. We want to be fascinated. We want to be excited. But this desire, like all of them we're going to discover, has a very dark side to it. See, to satisfy this desire for fascination, you can fall heavily into debt. And you can buy a lot of things you can't afford. A lot of things you don't need and won't ever use. Or worse, you can jump into and fall into the world of drugs and alcohol because it's a promise that it's a new world, that new horizons will be open to you. It will blow your mind. Or you stumble into pornography, something that blurs the lines between fantasy and reality because it's fascinating, it's new, and it's intriguing. Or you can put yourself in dangerous situations where you put your life or others' life at risk because you want to push the envelope, you want to push the limits. See, this little box and the desire to know what's inside of this thing, the desire to be fascinated, it can turn ugly pretty quick. You can hurt yourself trying to get in this thing and you can hurt other people if you try to get in that thing as well. But the amazing thing about all of this, despite all the avenues that are readily available to us, despite all the things that are out there for us to try, both good and bad, to be honest with you, at the end of all of it, I'm still pretty bored end of all of it, I'm still feeling this way. I mean, I've driven fast cars. I've purchased new shiny things. I've watched athletes break records. I've gone whitewater rafting and fallen out. I've tried drugs. I've been with different women. And guess what? At the end of it, I'm still like a little toddler. I'm bored. It was fun for a while. It was fun. It, it, it gave me some memories. And yeah, it fascinated me for a little while. But after a few minutes, after a few hours, after a few weeks, after a few months, I, I sounded just like my, my daughter does now. My youngest daughter is two and a half, and for some reason, she keeps asking me probably 20 times a day, Daddy, what do we do now? Daddy, what do we do now? Like, well, now we're going to go outside and play on this slip and slide. You know, yesterday was fun. It was beautiful out. Okay, well, what do we do now? Well, I just told you we're going to. Well, what do we do now? I told the whole day we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and it's going to be a busy day, and we're going to be really tired. Okay, but what do we do now? But we all ask that question, don't we? What now? What next? What are you going to do that will blow me away? What can I be a part of that will excite me? But after a while, even if we go bigger, faster, more expensive, latest, greatest, whatever, we eventually end up at the same place, pretty disinterested and maybe even dejected. Maybe you run out of money. Maybe you run out of motivation. Maybe you run out of the means to satisfy this desire. 
What's crazy to me, though, is that we talk as if we're not bored. We talk as if everything is fascinating. I'm not sure if this is the case out here, but in California, we did ministry for the last couple of years. Everything had to be awesome. Right? You described everything with the word awesome. How was your summer vacation? Awesome. How was the new car? Awesome. How are your kids doing at school? Awesome. How are your grades? Awesome. How are Thomas' sermons? Awesome. <laughs> like, well, I believe that one. But the other, I mean... But, but everything, for one reason or another, had to be awesome. It reminds me of my favorite uh, Disney character from the movie Bolt, the hamster, Rhino. Everything is totally awesome. If everything's totally awesome, is anything totally awesome? I mean, why do we have to say that everything is awesome? Are we trying to mask or hide the fact that most things are just okay? That most things are good or fine or average or even mediocre? But you got to call it awesome because we desire to be fascinated. And if I'm not constantly fascinated, then something's wrong with me. And if you're bored by my life, then I'm probably bored with my life. And that can't be the case because I've been desire, I desire to be fascinated. So it's awesome. I mowed my grass yesterday. It was awesome. <laughs> had to replace the screen. It was awesome. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Awesome. You see, Using the word doesn't make it awesome. Some things are just fine, just okay. But you see how we desire awesome? We desire to be fascinated. We want to know what's in here. We want to see something amazing. We've been hardwired this way. It seems like a fascinating God has made fascinating creatures who want to be fascinated. All of us, whether introvert, extrovert, rich, poor, male, female, Christian, non-Christian, extreme, sports, junkie, or couch potato, all of us want to be amazed. We want to see and behold the incredible. And there is something out there. There's something out there that will do it for you. Actually, it's not a something, it's a someone. His name starts with a J and it ends with an Isus. I'm not sure if you know who I'm talking about. But I don't want to give you like the, the corny Christian you know, answer. It's just, just look to Jesus. I want you to dive with me today into the Bible because Jesus is the answer to this problem. Jesus is the way you will be satisfied for your desire to be fascinated. If you know what this feels like to want to be blown away and to be part of something incredible, then Jesus truly is the answer. But what's crazy, think about this, when it comes to being amazed, when it comes to being excited, when it comes to being blown away, most Christians and non-Christians, we turn away from the Lord, don't we? We go the opposite direction. I mean, yeah, 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 God so loved the world. Yeah, 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 uh, he sent his only son. Yeah, 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 he rules and reigns. But exciting, exhilarating, fascinating, those are not words we typically use to describe what we're doing here this morning. Hey, hey, psst, psst, yeah, you. You want to have a good time tonight? Let's read the Bible. Hey, psst, psst, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, uh-huh. You want to be blown away? Oh, yeah, let's pray. Hey, you, you, you want the ride of a lifetime? Then share your faith with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It's never happened to you, right? When it comes to being fascinated, we tend to walk away from God instead of walking closer to God or even with God, which is a shame. Look at the promise. Look at the promise of Scripture. You either believe this to be true or you don't. You make known to me, Lord, the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures from your right hand. 
When it comes to being fascinated, we spend all of our time chasing everything else. We go to the box. It's got to be in the box. It's in this box. The, the desire I have to be fascinated is in here. Lord's like, no, it's not. It's in here. It's in my hands. It's in my presence. Stop looking to the box. Stop wondering and wishing and hoping something amazing is going to pop out of the box. Look to me. You won't have to wonder or wish anymore. I mean, don't you think that God, as the creator of the cosmos, knows how to get crazy? Of course he does. I mean, don't you think that God, as the author of all that we see, can give you all you can handle and more? Don't you think that the eternal one has the ability to excite and blow away everyone? Of course he does. Even when he speaks, it happens. Look at what Romans 1.20 says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood from that which has been made so that men are without excuse. You want to be fascinated? Then just look at what God has made. Look at creation. Look at the works of God's hands. Look at the painting that he painted, the sculpture he sculpted, the building he built. What he spoke into being is utterly fascinating. Look at Job 5, 8 through 10. But as for me, I would seek God. I place my cause before God, who does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields. Chose this verse because of the crazy weather we've been having recently. You all know what this verse is talking about. But if someone said to me, or if, or if I said to someone, let's, let's phrase it this way. If I said to somebody, hey, my God does amazing things. My God does wonders without limit. And they were like, all right, tell me one. Oh, oh, you want one? You want to know what my God does? You want to know the extent of his power and his glory and his goodness? You want to know what my God can do? Rain. Yeah, I was just as amazed the first time I heard it too. Rain. Gotcha. Right? But it's not a joke. He doesn't say this as a joke. Job said rain because he believed it was utterly fascinating. This is an unsearchable wonder of God. I know you've cursed it all week long because it's flooded your basement or your yard. But listen to what has to happen for rain to come about. Especially in the Middle East world where Job wrote these words. First, the water has to travel several hundred miles through the sky to find dry ground. Next, somehow, as the water is in the sky, all of the salt has to be removed from it that was taken from the sea. Then, when the water falls, it has to be large enough as it comes out of the cloud so it doesn't dissolve or evaporate in the air before it hits the ground, but it also has to be small enough when it hits the ground so that it doesn't destroy everything that it hits. Oh, and by the way, it's got to fall at the perfect speed so it doesn't rip your head off when it hits you in the head. You see how fascinating rain is? That's just rain. You took it for granted all week long. That's a fascinating wonder of the Almighty God. And Job could have said any number of things. He could have said, God does wonders without number, like the earth's perfect rotation, the earth's perfect placement and tilt from the sun, the complexities of cell biology, how in one strand of DNA in you is enough material to fill an entire Encyclopedia Britannica. Look it up online if you don't know what I'm talking about. How about astrophysics? How about chemical engineering? Our God does wonders without number. 
He is fascinating, and he's inviting you to discover all of these fascinating things. You want to be blown away by something? You want to be amazed? Then go discover the beauty and wonder of God's creation. Go unpack the things that he has laid out there for you to find. Think about Copernicus, Newton, Einstein. All they've done is unpack the amazing ways that God works. Science and religion are not at odds. They explain one another. They help make sense of each other. They don't disprove God. They give me more support for God. Science is the manifestation of God's order, God's might, God's power. It could be the size of the universe or the intricacy of a single cell. Everything proves to me that God is a fascinating God. We call him wonderful, don't we? You know why? Because he is full of wonder. He's wonderful. And I want you to be blown away by this God again. Listen to Job 26. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in the clouds if the clouds don't burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churns up the sea. He's wonderful. And these are but the outer fringe of his works. These are but the faint whisper of his voice. Who can understand the thunder of his power? Think about what, he, what he's saying in this passage. The northern skies, the horizon line, the sun, the moon, and the stars, everything that we're blown away by, that's but the fringe of his garment. It's like the, the, the little strings on the back of your jeans. The things that should amaze us, that's just the beginning when it comes to God. When you watch Planet Earth DVD, right, and you're like, holy cow, did that even happen? I didn't know that was part of this world. You're blown away by it. Guess what? You just heard God whisper. Can you imagine what it will sound like when you hear him shout? And you will. That's what heaven is. It's the shout of God. And one day we will hear the shout. We will see the shout. We will be a part of the shout. God is fascinating. Who he is, what he's made, what he's put here on this earth to help us discover or to give us to discover. It's all fascinating. But more than that, more than just a fascinating God who's made fascinating things, this morning I want to prove to you he's inviting you into the fascinating. He wants you to be a part of something fascinating. Look at John 14. He says this, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, Jesus said, will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus just said that we as believers, we as Christians, will do greater things than he did. Wait, did I just hear you right, Jesus? Greater things than you. Wait, you mean greater things than healing broken people? You mean greater things than illuminating the darkness? You mean greater things than multiplying food or walking on water or raising the dead to life? Greater things than that? I can be a part of that? You're inviting me into that? Yes, he says. You want to be fascinated? They want you to do greater things than I did, he says. But typically we read this passage and others like it and we cast it off, don't we? We say, ah, oh, this is fictitious. This is fabricated stuff. No, it's not. It's an invitation into the fascinating world of Jesus. It's not false. It's not fake. It's an invitation into the fascinating. What if, what if he was telling the truth there? What if that's real? What if that promise was given to us because he, he knew it could come to fruition? 
What if he is saying you can be a part of an even greater work and ministry than what I was even a part of here on earth? What if that was true? Paul in the book of Ephesians says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power is now in us. The resurrection power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's breath, God's life, God's fire, it's in us. So you want to be fascinated? You want to be blown away? All right, then Mark 11. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Fictitious, false, fabricated, or how about an invitation into the fascinating? You want to be part of something crazy? Then why don't you pray really hard that crazy things happen? Do you realize you have the ability, you have the power inside of you as a Christian to move mountains? Maybe Pikes Peak, maybe the ones around Eisenhower Pass, or maybe the mountain of guilt that your neighbor is under. Maybe the mountain of debt that your in-laws are under. Maybe that mountain of shame that some of your friends are under. You have the power, Christian, to move that mountain. People are struggling to climb it. They're dying on top of it. Christian, you have the power, if you want, if you're courageous enough, you have the ability to cast that mountain into the sea. Hope that you believe it's true. I'm not sure how many of us would describe our prayer life as fascinating, but why not? Why couldn't it be? Let's pray this week that we will live fascinating lives, that we'll be part of a fascinating work, that we will pray fascinating things, and that fascinating results will come as a result of our words. Still not fascinated. Okay, how about James 5? Any of you suffering hardships, you should pray. Any of you happy? Well, then sing. Any of you sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. The Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. So confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah, he was just a human like we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that rain would fall, that no rain would fall, it didn't. No rain fell for three and a half years. But then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Side note, I think all that's happening here is a result of one man's prayer. The monsoon season, one of you has been praying for it. Which one? Eh? Huh? Which one of you did this to us? But I believe that's true. I believe that's how it can happen. Do you realize in that passage, you've been invited into the fascinating world of Jesus? He says, you have the power through your prayers to help a sick person become healthy. But again, fabricated, fictitious, false. That's what we normally say about it. How about we say an invitation into the fascinating? How about we say it's an opportunity to do something fascinating? You realize you have the power and the ability to help somebody experience complete forgiveness in the Lord. We're so scared to confess our sins, to talk about how we're struggling, but why? In this passage, it says when you share that with another believer, you're forgiven. The power you have when you share is wholeness and wellness. So come on, tell me what's going on because I want you to be well. And get ready to hear what's going on with me because I want to be well. That's confession. We have the ability to help people. Our words are fascinating words. We can help sick people become well. We can press into heaven so fervently that it actually affects what happens here on the earth. All right, still not fascinated? Okay, Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because because of it, it's the power of God 
The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Do you realize the good news of Jesus, what happened on the cross for you, that is the greatest news you could ever share with anyone else. And do you realize that as you share that news with just a couple of little words, with one little gospel card, with your little tongue, you can speak something right now in this moment that will bring somebody life for all of eternity. Do you realize that's how fascinating your words can be? Do you realize that's how amazing your life can be? You can share your faith with others, and when you do, they will meet Jesus. They will find and experience abundant, eternal life. The box, the box got none of that. Any of that. Sorry, grammar's bad. The box can't do that for me. You know who can do Jesus can do that for me. Jesus says, I'm going to empower you to do something fascinating. You ready for it? You want to move mountains? You want to heal sick people? You want to raise the dead back to life? You want to flip this world right side up? You want to be fascinated? You want to be blown away? You want to be excited? Then come on, he says, and follow me. Delight yourself in me, and I'll give you that desire. But you keep looking to this. You keep thinking something fun's going to pop out of this box. All of you are waiting right now and think, what, what did he put in here? What is back there? Nothing. It's empty. That's how that box is. But think about it. We look everywhere but to God, don't we, to be fascinated? And yet in this passage, he says, I'll blow you away if you want me to. People tend to think that God and Christ and Christianity, they're lame, they're tame, they're outdated and boring. I think the opposite is true. Not my God. Not my Jesus. Not my Christianity. They are the only thing that will constantly and forevermore leave me speechless and amazed. Let me close by sharing this story with you. A couple years ago, uh, a group of students from SoCal called the Circuit Riders rolled through Pepperdine. Circuit Riders is kind of a network of ministry schools that is training people to just be crazy for Jesus. The Circuit Riders actually is an ancient practice, kind of when America was first started, where guys would ride on horseback from city to city, and they'd gather up a crowd in the, in the town square, and they would share the message of Jesus. These guys were nuts. They're like a gun on one side and a Bible on the other. It's like, which one do I got to use right now? Uh, Bible. Right, but think about it. These guys went everywhere, risked everything for the sake of the gospel, and amazing revival took place. So the next generation of believers, there's a group of young people out there right now that wants to see that happen again. They're calling themselves the new generation circuit riders. And they're in cars, which helps get a little faster. But they're going from city to city and campus to campus, and they're transforming these places. They came to Pepperdine a few years ago, and they lit that place up in a really good way. They walked into the cafeteria. They started sharing their faith with people. They started praying for healings and miracles to happen. And guess what? They did. They started walking around the hallways and praying that people would give their life to Jesus. Folks that had never heard the gospel before. And guess what? It happened. They started praying that the apathetic Christians that were on that campus would, would get a vision and a taste for the fascinating God they serve and the fascinating work they've been called into. And guess what? It happened. The circuit riders came through and they drugged me with them because I was like, I don't know, guys. I don't, you're kind of weird for me. Not sure if this is, gonna, if this is true. Not sure if this is going to happen. Not sure if this is real or right. It was the most fascinating thing I've done. It was the craziest three days of my life. I saw the kingdom come. And yet, guess what happened after the three days were over? I'm going to go back to the box. This box is fun. There's something cool and exciting in here. No, there's not. Keep looking at him you'll be a part of something absolutely incredible. In God, through God, because of God, and with God, you can spend your entire life 
discovering the most fascinating things, but more than that, doing the most fascinating things. If you don't have this desire right now, or if you don't think that anything I said this morning is true, then I would just ask that you come and pray with us this morning, talk to us. Let's figure out what's going on in your heart. And I would pray for all of you that Psalm 37.4 truly becomes the mantra of your life, that you will delight yourself in the Lord and that he will satisfy every single desire that you have. Let me pray that over us and we'll get you out of here. God, you are an incredible God. You truly are wonderful. You have done amazing things. You have made amazing things, Lord. And sometimes we just take that for granted. We drive past these beautiful green mountains. We take it for granted. We hear the thunder and see the lightning. We take it for granted. You laid out the northern skies, Father. You gave us amazing things to see and behold and, and live within. God, thank you for that. You are fascinating. How'd you do this? You are an incredible God. There is no God like you. And Lord, all the things that we see, they're just the start. They're just the beginning of what we will experience for all of eternity with you in heaven. And yet, God, more than just seeing fascinating things or watching them or discovering them, you actually invite us into a fascinating work, the work of Jesus, the work of ministry, the work of bringing heaven to the earth. Lord, would we be blown away by that invitation this week? Please, God, show folks that there is more possible through and in and because of their faith than they ever thought possible. Would we be dangerous, courageous, bold? Lord, would we be reckless and wasteful when it comes to our prayers and our time and our stuff, Lord? We wanna be blown away. And over the course of the next couple of weeks and months, I pray that we are fascinated by the things that we see happening in and around this church, God. Lives being changed, little ones hearing the good news of the gospel, marriages being reconciled, finances being restored, God. That's fascinating. Darkness to light, death to life, that is fascinating. The box doesn't have that, only you've got that. So I just pray we would delight ourselves in you and we would be fascinated by you and we'd do fascinating things for you. Make us courageous, God. Help us to be a part of this work with you. Make it so, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Hope you have a great day. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out. Uh, be strong and courageous. Go and be fascinated. <laughs>